Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. This week, we're going to be talking all about Thanksgiving and what it was like in colonial times. From there, we'll talk about how it became the holiday it is today, and then we'll hear from a really special guest. My name is Joyce White, and I am a food historian, and that means that I study the foods that people ate and also how they ate them, how they set their tables, how their meals um, looked uh, hundreds of years ago. And one of the things that um, I like to talk about is Thanksgiving, because, of course, that's a holiday that has a lot of food involved with it. Well, that is perfect for this episode. I'd like to talk about, I've heard that there were two different kinds of Thanksgivings in the colonial era. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, there, you know, Thanksgiving itself was a religious holiday. It started out um, from the earliest days of settlement, either in Virginia or in Massachusetts, which were two of the the larger colonies that were settled. Mm -hmm. Both had their own forms of Thanksgiving, and those were all almost always um, completely based on religion. It was, uh, the food was sort of second, a second to the religious aspect of it. So when the uh, first settlement, or not the first settlement, but when one of the larger settlements of Virginia came to um, the New World in 1619, they were sent by a company called the Berkeley Company, and that company actually told the captain of that voyage on the ship that when they got to their destination, that they were just supposed to give thanks to God and that they should keep that day as a day to be remembered every year um, for the uh, thanking God for getting them to Virginia safely. Oh, wow. um, we don't know if they had a feast. Um, they may have just had leftover ship's rations, so things that would have been on the ship like maybe old moldy cheese or really hard ship's biscuit. Um, so things that we might not think of as foods at Thanksgiving today. Um, they may have also been able to get some fresh things from the, the waterways surrounding the area in Virginia, the Chesapeake Bay, where they were, things like maybe fish or oysters or crabs, things like that. Certainly not the big turkey that we have today. Yeah. Um, same, yeah, same thing in uh, Plymouth. Uh, when they landed in um, 1620, they actually stayed on the boat. Most people don't know that they actually stayed on the Mayflower for uh, the whole winter. And they didn't get off that boat until March of 1621. And that's when they started to build their their village and plant crops. And they learned from the Native Americans about the different crops, that, like corn, beans, and crops, which are sometimes referred to as the three sisters, because uh, like siblings are supposed to help each other grow. When you plant corn, beans, and squash in a hill together, they really do help each other go, uh, grow. They give off different nutrients um, different chemicals in the soil that help each other to grow, and um, they just work really well together, and they're really easy to to grow together. So by the fall of 21, uh, after their first you know, almost year at the in in the new world, the the pilgrims, or, or as they call themselves, they would have just called themselves English people. They didn't actually call themselves pilgrims, just sure. to let you know that little secret. Um, they would have been thankful to God for getting them to the new world 
and for allowing at least some of the people to survive. They didn't all survive that first winter. It was pretty rough. I won't lie to you. It was, it was rough. Um, but they did have a feast, and uh, there was a man who wrote about that feast, and his name was Edward Winslow. And he wrote a lot about that uh, first, you know, feast that they had. And I can tell you a little bit about what he said, if you'd like to know that. Yeah, that would be great. So he said that after they had gotten their harvest in, the governor, who was a man named William Bradford, he sent four men out to go what they would say fouling. That meant they took their shotguns, their hunting guns, their rifles, and they went out and they killed wild fowls, just any kind of birds that they could find. And they did that so that they could have a, a celebration to rejoice at being together and to celebrate their first harvest. And they um, they killed um, enough fowl to eat in one day. Now, what does that mean, fowl? Does it mean turkey? It, it definitely could have meant turkey. He doesn't specifically say turkey. So turkey is one of the things that they might have eaten, but they probably had a lot of variety, many more different types of, of birds that they ate. Um, so they also ate, um, they could have eaten any of those three sisters that we talked about, the corn, the beans, and the squash. And um, there's also a reference to um, that early settlement that they ate a lot of fish. They ate a lot of cod and bass from the Cape. And mm-hmm. That makes they, sense. Yeah, and the other thing that we know for sure that they were eating at that first Thanksgiving was venison, which is uh, meat that comes from deer. Um, we know that because Edward Winslow writes about how um, one of the things that they were doing to celebrate the harvest was to shoot guns, which we would never do that today. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of years ago, they would shoot guns and they would have target practice and shooting contests. And the Indians nearby got alarmed by that because the Indians and the, the British settlers, English settlers, had decided to help each other. So when the Indians heard the, sh- the shooting, they were afraid, and um, they came to see what was going on. And 90 of those Indians came, of the men came, just the warriors, to help protect the settlers. And when they realized that it was just games, they invited them to join in the feast. And so those Indians then sent out some of their men to go hunt, and they brought back five deer. So we know for a fact that they ate venison. Yeah, so really what we should be having is venison. Um, but William Bradford, who was the doctor, he talks about wild turkey, so they probably had turkey too, as well as the Indian corn. And anything that they had left over um, from the ship, um, things that they planted, we know they tried to plant some British or English peas, didn't do too well with them that first year, but, you know, they may have had a few. Um, and they certainly could have had a variety of other crops that they could have gathered um, from the surrounding area. There was a man named William Hilton who lived at Plymouth then, and he wrote a letter back home to England, and he wrote about all the different fruits that they could have found, like gooseberries. You've never heard of a gooseberry. <laughs> a very tart um, berry that you would want to sweeten, um, and they could have could have used the local maple syrup or maple sugar to sweeten those. They had strawberries. They had raspberries. They had um, these other berries called cloudberries, which are kind of like raspberries. We know they had um, beach plums. Um, and then they had a whole bunch of other things like walnuts and chestnuts and sunflower seeds. 
um, that they could have gotten from the, the sunflowers that the Indians taught them to plant. Um, so really a quite a variety of things that could have gone into that first meal that we just don't know for sure whether or not they used them or not. It sounds like we've sort of limited the menu today. We have. And what's interesting is that we have a lot of American products in our meal today. Like who, what would Thanksgiving be without mashed potatoes? Sure. Potatoes. Um, and, but those things actually are American, but they come from South America and they have to go from South America back over to Europe and Africa even, and then back to North America. And that took about 50 to 60. So people in North America really at that time of the first Thanksgiving would not have known a white potato or a sweet potato. They just wouldn't have known what that was. Um, but that's something that definitely does enter into the diet, as well as other things that come from South America and Central America, like tomatoes and chocolate. Chocolate Ooh. is something that we love, and that is actually an American um, product. But, um, again, we wouldn't have really known chocolate until about the – you know, about 30 to 40 years later in North America, we weren't really seeing chocolate. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were missing. No, they did not know what they were missing. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about um, one of the first settlements in Virginia being asked to have a day of thanks when they landed safely. Um, so could that have actually yeah. been the first American Thanksgiving? A lot of historians in Virginia now are trying to make that claim, and um, they have every right to. Um, uh, Some documents about that first Thanksgiving were missing for like 300 years. They were discovered in the early 20th century by a historian just, you know, looking through some books and papers. Some of them were actually in England. And um, there is a reference to this happening. And, um, yeah, so it it really could be the first Thanksgiving. Now, it only lasted a couple of years. Um, the settlement did not last, um, and then it was forgotten. And I think that's part of the problem is why we think of um, the first Thanksgiving really happening in Massachusetts because in the 1800s, people really started um, to remember that celebration as well. And um, that's why it's become more popular because we've just been doing it for a much longer time. We've known about it for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, so in Virginia, would they... Would they have eaten mostly food that was left over from the ship? So um, they wouldn't have had time if they were having that first Thanksgiving, you know, right when they first landed. They would have really just been, um, uh, you know, able to rely on what they had left over and uh, maybe, again, catching local um, fish, maybe some wild fowl, things like that. But we really don't know. So as Thanksgiving uh, grew during the colonial era, I, it sounds like if it was for a specific day or a specific harvest or event, it wouldn't have always been on the same day like it is now. No, absolutely not. It was actually something that was really just done in the New England, so Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, um, New Hampshire, Maine, places like that. Um, and then as people moved away from those areas, like they moved to Minnesota or Ohio or even New York State, they started to have more celebrations. But early on, it was really just a day declared. You would say, okay, we're going to have Thanksgiving on this day. And I think a lot of that might have had to do with where you lived and when you could get your harvest in, so when you could finish bringing all your crops in. 
And that would have been different depending on where you live. The further north you went, the earlier that would happen mm-hmm. um, because you have a, a shorter summer, shorter growing season. So I think that's why it was probably different for different areas. Um, and then um, the country as a whole started having some national days of, de- of um, that were declared um, for Thanksgiving. So during the American Revolution in 1777, the Continental Congress said, we're going to have a day of Thanksgiving in December of that year. And that was really to thank God, again, um, it was for religious reasons, but to thank God for a victory in the American Revolution, which had occurred earlier on in the fall. And that was the victory of Saratoga in New York State, mm. because that meant now that the um, it looked like the Americans were going to win the war. This was a good sign that the Americans were doing well. And it... Um, allow the French to have confidence that the Americans were doing well. So they gave support for the Americans. They gave money and they gave military, they gave troops to come over and help. So it was definitely uh, a good sign and a good time for that. Then George Washington in 1789 had another day of Thanksgiving declared, and that was the last Thursday of, of November. We're starting to see this happen on Thursdays now in November. And um, he was giving thanks to God for basically the the end of the war and for starting the new country and for creating um, and enacting the Constitution and having a new government. So that's why he did it. But it didn't really stick. It wasn't this National Day of Thanksgiving that we had every year. Things start happening. Um, so then there was a woman named Sarah Josepha Hale, who is sometimes now referred to as the mother of Thanksgiving. And she was from New England. And so she grew up having this tradition of Thanksgiving. And she really, really thought the entire country should share in this tradition. Mm-hmm. And so she started writing letters to presidents, governors, senators, anyone that she could think of. And she was also the editor of a ladies' magazine, so she was pretty powerful. And she used that magazine as a way to get her message out to people, to women at least, because the lady, uh, the book was for ladies. It was called Godie's Ladies' Book. And it would have fashion and food and all sorts of different uh, things that might appeal to ladies. But she would write these articles in that magazine, and she would send them to newspapers. And people knew her uh, very well and knew that she was, really trying to get support to have this day of Thanksgiving. So she was very powerful, but it wasn't until Abraham Lincoln declared a national day of Thanksgiving in 1863 that Thanksgiving actually started to become the national holiday the the last Thursday Mm -hmm. in November. And he made this proclamation of Thanksgiving not so much maybe because Sarah Josepha Hale was telling him to, but I think she in his head that this would be a good idea to do. Um, so in 1863, in the summer of 1863, if you know your history, you would know that America was at war. And this was the Civil War where the North was fighting the South. Yeah. And there was a big battle. There were two big battles that were going on at the same time in the very first few days of July of 1863. One of them was the Battle of Gettysburg, which a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was um, a very long battle, a three-day battle, um, and gets a lot of uh, coverage uh, in school. Yep. But there was another battle going on 
and this one not as many people know about, and that was the Battle of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Now, Vicksburg was on a port on the Mississippi River, and the Southern Army, the Confederate Army, got most of their supplies through ports. In fact, um, Abraham Lincoln knew that if he could conquer Vicksburg, that the North would win, because that would mean that the Southerners could no longer get most of their supplies. Mm-hmm because that port would be controlled by the North. And guess what? In um, Basically on July 4th, oh. 1863, the North had their victory at Vicksburg. Wow. And so this is what set another course for victory for the North. And so that's what prompted President Lincoln to declare a day of Thanksgiving, because he knew now that he was going to have to find some way, in many ways, right, really, to bring the North and the South and the West all back together again to make our country whole once again, once the war was was ended. So in his declaration or his proclamation for Thanksgiving, he really emphasized that. He talked about how we need to bring this whole country back together, that this would be a holiday um, for the whole country, for one country, not a divided country. And so that's what makes Thanksgiving the national holiday that it is become. But you know what? At that time, it was still not a legal holiday. So no law had been signed to make Thanksgiving, you know, a legal holiday. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things that, that made that happen. And one of the most important things is um, when you look at the 20th century. So now we're back into, we're up into the 1900s. And in 1939, the president at that time was um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He was lobbied. That means that people who worked for store owners and shop owners and people who made Christmas gifts asked him if he would move the Thanksgiving celebration from the very last Thursday in November to the next to last Thursday in November. Oh. And in, yeah, and in 1939, he said okay because he thought it would give the, the you know, the stores – an extra week uh, for people to do their Christmas shopping. It would give Christmas shoppers a little extra time because, you know, nowadays we think of um, Thanksgiving as sort of the begin or the day after Thanksgiving, I should say, Black Friday, as that first official day of the Christmas yep. shopping. Yep. But um, when Thanksgiving falls really late in November, like the 29th or the 30th, that means that there's a much shorter period of time for people to do their shopping. So for, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt thought that this would be a good idea, that everybody would love it, right? Uh-huh. He was wrong. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, people did not like that. And you know what they started calling that, that Thanksgiving that was happening the week before? What? Frank- oh. <laughs> not Thanksgiving. They started calling it Franksgiving. And so in 1941, so two years later, President uh, Roosevelt came to a sort of compromise. So he said, okay, instead of having it always be the next to last Thursday of November, let's make Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So it's really late. Like this year, it would be really late. We move it back a week. So it's almost always on the last Thursday, except that one week every four years or so when it's going to be really late, and then we'll push it back a week. And that made everybody happy. Yeah. People were okay with it. That's a nice compromise. Yes, that's the compromise. So 
So that's the story of how Thanksgiving got to be the holiday that it is today. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for walking us through that history. Now let's hear from George Washington. Here's what he said in his Thanksgiving proclamation when he was our very first president. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm 15 and I'm from Texas. This is George Washington's Thanksgiving proclamation, the 3rd of October, 1789. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation, whereas is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both House of Congress have by the Joint Committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by the acknowledging with grateful hearts to many signal favors by of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the beneficent author of the all good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country, previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal of manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war. For the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have sincere enjoyed, for the peaceable and traditional manner in which we have been enabled to establish. Constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nation, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people who constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeying to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shewn kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, and to increase of science among them and us, and generally grant unto us, to all mankind, such as a great and temporal prosperity, as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October, in the year of our Lord, 1789. I hope 
everyone out there has a happy Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for all of you. What are you thankful for? You guys can tell me on social media. My name is at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also go to growingpatriots.com to find more things that go along with this and all of the other episodes and to learn about the Growing Patriot books. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and tell a couple friends. See everybody next time. America, land of the free.